Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. I'm starting to hear about people's lives changing. Uh, uh, it's incredible. And so we're going to uh, continue to talk about Alpha. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers will get that to you. When you're there, turn to uh, Matthew 13. We're going to be kind of all over in Scripture, but again, a great great place to, to be. And um, as we look uh, at Alpha, and as, as people come uh, talk to me, and just, you know, we, we're talking about uh, the things of the faith. Um, the things that a lot of believers know already that you just haven't talked about in a long time. Uh, and it's incredible. And some of you, um, you know, I know there's some people who aren't believers that are uh, coming to some of our alpha groups, and they're talking about things they've never thought they would talk about. And it's just encouraging now because what we've done so far in alpha is we have looked uh, at the greatest love story the world has ever known, and that is a love story of Jesus. And that love story uh, changes lives, absolutely radically changes lives. And it's not too late for you if you want to be part of Alpha. Go to our next step section in there in the lobby and ask them. They'll help you get connected. Um, but Jesus Christ is about transforming, changing lives. And I am here, and as I was thinking about even this introduction, you know, uh, I got goosebumps. Because my life, as many of you know, I've said it before that I accepted the Lord at 24 years old. Uh, and my life spun on a dime in a beautiful way. Um, just, and I wasn't one of those, you know, I wasn't prison, right? One of those things that killed anybody and all that stuff. So I was just an average Joe. But something changed deep in my life. Changed. Um, uh, one problem with that is I was a little uh, overzealous with that transformation. When I got back home, um, oh, man, I was, <laughs> I, I need to apologize to a lot of people, a lot of my family. Man, I came in with gusto telling people about Jesus. I was so excited about what he did in my life, and I wanted people to have that, and I wanted them to have it right now. Right? So I was like, ooh, I blew in. Um, so I wish back then I would have asked and had the answer to the question that Alpha asked us this week. Why and how to tell others? Why and how to tell others about Jesus? And I'm hoping today, and there's, you know, uh, inc- you know, a lot of different angles and perspectives and opinions and all these. We're going to grab some things, and I'm hoping it'll be useful to you today. Um, as Damien shared, we have a, a sharing your faith in our joining the family to help equip you to share your faith. Um, that won't be meeting this week. As you see it advertised, make sure you be part of that to give you just some confidence to be able to share this most important love story with the world around you. I'd like to pray, and then let's jump into this, okay? Will you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we come um, open-minded, open-hearted, uh, open-handed, um, and our feet ready uh, to ask you to come into our lives and powerfully transform and change us through your word. So I pray that you'd use me, uh, use us collectively, that we might be closer to you uh, after we leave than when we showed up this morning. Do your good work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. So the question, why and how to tell others about Jesus? And it really starts with this. And John chapter 5, verse 24, starts with uh, what I call the promise, the promise of eternal life. In John 5, Jesus says this. It says, truly, truly, 
And when you see that in Scripture, truly, truly, it means this is true, this is true. Listen, you can count on this. Trust this. Okay? It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in the one who sent me, uh, uh, that he will not pass through judgment, but will have eternal life. Passing from death to life. So why do we tell others about Jesus? Because there is a promise from Jesus himself, and that's eternal life. That when someone hears the message of Jesus about him going to the cross, believes the one who sent him, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for us so that we would have eternal life. When someone hears that message and they believe it, what happens is they get eternal life. We share our faith because it's a life and death issue. It's a life and death issue. It's no small thing. Eternity hangs in the balance. So it's interesting. You, you hear that and the weight of why we share our faith. Why don't more of us do it? I was just pondering, thinking about that this week. And uh, I, there's three things I hear commonly. Uh, I hear this often of why someone doesn't share their faith. It's personal. And I hear that, and there's, um, so, well, the way I think of that, that should inspire you, not keep you from it. But I think they mean this, right? It's private. Uh, this is between me and God. It's my faith, nobody else. Uh, I look at that. It's personal. I mean, it matters. I love this person. It is personal. I do not want them to be without Jesus now and forever. I don't want them to go to hell. It is deeply personal. So I think that phrase should inspire you to share uh, because of what hangs in the balance. Not this idea that it's just between me and God because nowhere in Scripture does it ever teach that. You know, I also hear this. You know, I, I don't know enough. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, follower of Jesus, you know enough. You know Jesus. You know what the most powerful uh, message, most powerful content information you can share with somebody is your Jesus story about how he changed your life and what he's doing in your life. Go back to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, okay? Jesus there meets a Samaritan woman, right, midday, who's an outcast. And we find out that she's got uh, some issues and uh, has an issue with men, right? And she learns about Jesus, this living water. That's all she knows. She goes back to her town, her village, her city, and shares that. And what happens? The entire place changes. Did she know enough? Absolutely, she knew enough. She knew Jesus. That's all you need to know. And if you were with Jesus, will you grow and get more information and that stuff? Yes, you will. And those become important conversations. But don't think you don't know enough. If you know Jesus, I would say this, you know more than enough. Just tell your story. Tell your story about Jesus, what he's doing in your life, and you'll be shocked. And I hear this a lot. This actually sads me because I feel this sometimes too. People don't care. 
You know, I think of my generation, uh, and it felt bad, but I think of these young adults and how difficult it is because they are growing up in a society, society feels like they don't care. They don't want to hear it. You know, and this is painful. We've all been there. And I'm hoping today's message will give you a little something that may draw someone's attention, right? Now, maybe, maybe you're going about it wrong. I don't know, right? Um, but I'm hoping today will help you out. Okay, so why do we share our faith? First reason, uh, there's a promise of eternal life. But there's something else I love. Uh, you know what to call this. I call it the prize, right? Started with the P, it seemed to work. Um, the prize, and that's kingdom life. In Matthew 13, if you've got your Bible open, turn to Matthew 13. Jesus gives a parable called the parable of the hidden treasure. And uh, parables are just uh, Jesus using everyday language that people understand to share and teach spiritual truth. Okay? And so what we're going to do is he's going to give a parable of something you have to understand so this parable makes sense to you. In Jesus' time, they didn't have banks. So if you had money, what you would do is you'd take it into your property and you would bury it. If you had treasures, valuables, you would bury it. Right? And whoever owned that land owned those treasures and that money. Right? So listen to this parable with that in mind. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. <laughs> so what happens, right, the storyline is, is the guy goes, discovers hidden treasures, right? Um, covers it up so no one else is, and then goes out and buys that land. Why? Because he wants that. He purchases that. And the treasure here, in a sense, that he finds that Jesus wants us to understand is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, as it says in other places. And what the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of heaven is, it is just where God rules and reigns. It's where his order, his blessing, his protection, his uh, provision is found. And it exists in this world that we see around us and outside this world. It is not bound by time or space. It's just where Jesus is made king. And we follow the kingdom of heaven. And it's past, present, and future. So it says in there that when this guy found it, in his joy, because what he understood when he found this treasure, that it is going to make his life better right now, today, and in the future. And that's true of kingdom life. It makes better today and forever. You all experienced uh, this uh, maybe in a certain sense last week. Okay? There is a certain uh, lottery, right? Two billion dollars, right? And whether you played it or you didn't, uh, all of us fancied for a moment what uh, how our life would be better, right? All of you. Uh, I see everyone looking is it okay to play the lottery? So you, none of you want to shake your head. You're frozen right now. Okay? <laughs> but here's the deal. I'm not going to talk about that. Maybe another message. But all of us talk about, man, if we had $2 billion, my life, that treasure would make my life a little bit better, right? And you dreamed, right? 
And somebody won it. We don't know who yet, right? Uh, but in the same way, this guy finds this treasure, the ultimate treasure, right? Spiritual treasure, heavenly treasure, treasure that lasts eternity. How much more will that make every day better than even $2 billion? So it's his great joy that my life is going to be better. So why do we share? Because it makes people's lives better. We want their lives better. If you love them, you're going to share with them. How does it make it better? I think grab some ideas. Matthew 11, Jesus gives an invitation. He says, I've come to give you rest. And not just any rest, but rest for your souls. The deepest, the essence of who you are, full rest. I've come to give you rest. That's a better life. Doesn't that sound good right now? I've come to give you peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, he says. You can have peace. That's why we share. Second Corinthians 3.17 says this, is we can have freedom in the, kingdom, in the kingdom of God with Jesus. Freedom to be everything Jesus created us to be. Be all that you're created to be. That's why we share. We want those that we love to be everything God created them to be. Nothing held back. Unveiled faces. That's why we share. Because we want people to have eternal life. We want them to have kingdom life. And the third reason I give you is the Passover. Jesus took this message of life that he brought and he passes it to us. He says, I want you to share life with others. John 17, 18. Jesus praying to the Father. He says, as you sent me, so I send them. That's you and I. He sends us to share life. Now, the life source is Jesus. All through the New Testament, we, we read about that. Jesus in John 10, 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 14, 6. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I love John. Um, well, uh, what is it? It's 633. Is it 633? Yes. Um, and he's talking about the bread of life. So I am the bread of the world that comes so that they may live, so they may have life. That's Jesus. He is the life source. And then he does what I just quoted in John 17. As you sent me, the source of life, so I send them to carry the message of life to the world around them. You are God's plan A for the world to know life. It's incredible. And there's different phrases and scriptures that you see of this calling, this command. I think the most complete one is in Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. You know, that is a snapshot of the whole thing. So the sharing life, you know, uh, sharing your faith with somebody and being with them and growing them into spiritual maturity, which is their life transformed into the love of God and that they can love others. Right? It's this whole package of, of life and spiritual maturity that we're called to go and make disciples. Tells us in Acts 1 8 to be uh, witnesses. So as you're doing this journey with them, be a witness. Let them see the powerful works of me uh, in you. 
I'll give you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that, to be my witnesses. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, he calls us, uh, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation. Just like Jesus came to seek and save the lost and, and bring those far away from God uh, to meet him, we are to go in, uh, with people and take those far away from God and introduce them to Jesus, the life source. Here he is. Let me introduce you. Let me reconcile you to him. It's a powerful, powerful calling we have, a command to tell others about Jesus. That's why we do it, Right? Life hangs in the balance. Life gets better, and we are commanded to share. Now here comes the hard part of the message. How do you share your faith? Most of us here as followers of Jesus um, agree with everything I just said, some level. This is where it gets hard, right? <laughs> it's like, how do I do that? I got it. How do I do that? I want to give you uh, three suggestions. And again, there's countless books and programs and everything on that. But I want to give you something that I hope will help you. And it starts with this. In John 15, uh, verse 5, it starts with being rooted. You have to be rooted. Okay? Uh, Jesus, uh, as he's walking before he's arrested um, that night, and, uh, and many uh, Bible scholars believe he's actually walking through a vineyard on his way there and gives this lesson to them. And he says this in John 15. I want, I want to read it make sure I get it right. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am, he it is that bears much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. So listen to this. He's talking about this vine. It's the vine in this is Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the vine. He's the life source. He's where everything, this next thing, and the fruit, the ultimate end game, get everything. Okay? The branch is us. Does the branch come on its own with life? No. You remove that branch, what happens to the fruit? It dies. There's no life. None. It's a conduit. It's a carry something. Is the branch alive when it's connected? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got the vine, the branches, and this fruit. And what he's saying is this, is when you are connected to me, um, you will bear much fruit. And fruit in Scripture is eternal life. When someone comes to know Jesus, that is fruit. And when somebody walks with Jesus, lives out the characteristics of Jesus, that is fruit. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, right? Goodness, self-control. Those are fruits, are the fruits that it's talking about. Eternal life and kingdom life. That is fruit. But you cannot bear that. You cannot grow that. You cannot even carry that unless you are plugged in, connected to the life source. So it starts with you being rooted, abide, remain, whatever your translation says. It all means the same thing. It means this branch is engrafted, connected, and it has life pumping into it so that it can bear much fruit. Because it says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
everybody in the world is bearing fruit. Most of it, my words, is dead fruit. It doesn't lead to life. Jesus is talking about something specific here. Kingdom fruit. Eternity. Kingdom life. That fruit. Um, so we all think, what fruit are you bearing? Because you're bearing fruit. What is it? Is it kingdom fruit? That's what we're called to do. And how you bear it is by plugging in. Starts with having a transformed heart. Right? To your life. It's not just a belief system. You with me? It's not just a belief system. But it's a, it's a belief system. A faith that has your heart transformed by God's power and glory, the Holy Spirit working in and through you. It's the overflow. That's how the life comes into you and goes through you and out and bear much fruit. And you plug in uh, by simply being plugged into the life source through prayer, right? Talk to God. Talk to Jesus. Let your heart be drawn and moved and shaped by God through prayer. Through reading the scriptures. Reading the Bible. What does he have to say? Right? Listen to God. Being with others who are believers, right? They say there's more is caught than taught. Have you heard that? Um, bad company corrupts good character. Right? Parents, I'm looking at you. Why do you keep your kids away from the thugs out there? Because you understand that the company we keep impacts us. Same is true in your spiritual life. Be around people who are plugged in. Amazing amount of spiritual life is transferred through watching, being with people, learning from them. So just being with other believers is an important piece. And then obeying that, putting it to action. Knowing is not enough. It's important to start. But you've got to put it in action, your feet, live it out in your life. And when you do that, the life source of Jesus Christ will transform your life and pump through you, and you will bear much fruit, fruit that matters. It starts with being rooted. Got to be rooted. Second thing, in Matthew, Matthew 5. Flip back to Matthew 5. And this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking to massive crowd, and he's talking about kingdom living, kingdom life. We can learn about his calling of how to share them. Matthew 5, um, 14. Be light. says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're called the light of the world, right? Light of the world. We are called to shine bright. And that's Jesus beaming from us, shining from us, the life of Jesus. And here's an interesting thing as we look at being a light for Jesus and how we shine, right? How do we shine for Jesus? Um, I want to give you three suggestions, right? And there's many more. But first, about how you love. How you love. 
greatest commandment when Jesus was tested with that. He says, love God, love others. All of the law and the prophets hang on the balance. I mean, everything I'm telling you and teach you and have is about loving God and loving others. That's spiritual maturity, right? It's about love, right? When you know Christ and how much he loves you, it, trans- it transforms your heart and life to be somebody who loves God and loves people because you've been loved by God. So how you love God and people is a light. People see it. Also, uh, living out hope. How you do life, right? First Peter 3, you know, you know, the verse that some of you know is be prepared to give the answer for the hope that lies within you. There's an assumption, and you read a few verses of that. It's talking about the, having your heart transformed and changed. You rooted. And when you do that, it's going to come out. People are going to ask, why are you do, doing life different? Boy, that was a bad, bad situation you're in, and you did something different. What is that? Why is that? I've been through that. Boy, I didn't handle it that way. Why did you? When you live out the hope of Jesus in your life, people will ask. Right? They will ask. First John 2.16, we're called to walk like Jesus. In Scripture, it talks about walking like this, how you live out your life. When you live out a life for Jesus, this other world living, people will notice. They will see it, and they'll ask. There's the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. That's a lie. But we all do it, don't we? Why do you pick that book up in the bookstore? Because the cover looked good. And they worked hours to get that cover so you would do that. Because they know you're going to judge a book by its cover, right? It's what advertising, we all do it. You know, this has a deeper meaning, right? Um, Get to know this book first before you write. And that is true, okay? So don't be mad at me. That's true, too. But you do the first step. All of us do. We do it with people, too. People will see you far off. You will be a city on a hill far, far off before you're anything else. There's something different about that person. Something going on over there. Wow. Huh. Why do they act like that? Well, I want a piece of that. You know, and they will draw closer to you, right? You are called to be a city on a hill, a light that people see far off and say, there's something different about that. I want a piece of whatever he or she's eating. And as they draw near, they'll find out it's Jesus. Some people know you're a Christian. The boss comes in and lets you have it. They're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, let's see, right? We've all been there like, huh. Okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Can I not be just for five seconds all I need? Okay, here I go, right? Now we're Christians are watching. They're judging the book by its cover. What's inside that thing? They'll discover when they come closer. And that's if you look in Matthew 5, verse 13. You're also called to be a salt of the earth. To be salt of the earth. What is that? Um, when we're talking about telling others about Jesus, um, you will have to get closer. We are called to get closer. That's what salt is, right? Salt, man, you shake it on that thing, and it comes in, and it brings flavor. It gets right in the food. You actually even stir it up so it's really in the food, don't you? If you're going to use it as a preservative, you put it in there, and you mix it all in the meat, right? You get it, I would call it intimate, deep, 
in the life of whatever you're putting that salt on. So when you are called to be salt of the earth, it says you have to get closer. You cannot do it from far off. You're going to have to step into whatever this is. They're challenging stories. Someone who doesn't believe, someone who doesn't act like you. In fact, they may make you really mad with how they act. But you're salt. You've got to get closer. This week, um, I had to do something. I had a dream, okay? It's not a profound dream. Don't get, don't get, get real inspired right now. Okay, uh, I had a dream. Uh, I was going to drive my car until it fell apart. I, I'm so afraid it's got 220,000 miles on it. I just said, yeah, yeah, that's something to fall apart. Um, it's like, oh, rat. So um, I uh, had to buy another car. So, you know, I hope there's no car salesman here. I really apologize to you. Well, um, uh, I didn't want to go to the car lot, do other things. I bought it online. You know, it should be so cool. If you haven't bought a car, um, but I still had to go get it. So I went and got it, went into the car place. I did most of the stuff. So it wasn't as much interaction. Um, not exactly what I wanted and price I needed and all this stuff. Sat down in, what do they call it, a shark tank or whatever they call that thing. They put you in there. It's terrifying. They keep you in there. It's like some sort of torture chamber. I don't know. So we're in there. But they don't have much interaction with us. So this young guy is coming. He's our salesman who I talked to one time. In fact, never. Uh, always uh, through uh, text. And I um, had to sign a couple papers, but I'm hanging out there. Uh, and then they take us in to sign the big papers, you know, the, uh, the money part of that. Um, so I was in there. Um, so we're getting ready to leave. And the young guy comes over and says, hey, thank you. They're going to do all the goodbye stuff. And, hey, did they fill the tank up? Well, gas is expensive. They didn't. Normally, I'd say, no big deal. But that's a lot of money. I um, said, so no, they didn't. He goes, oh. Because, hey, follow me uh, to the gas station. We'll fill up. Great. We'll do that. Okay. So we're sitting there. I jump out. Freezing cold, so you know, and he's filling up this thing, and um, it takes a lot of gas. Um, so we're sitting there, and, and we're talking. Uh, so we're just him and I, you know, at this gas station. 27 years old. He said something, and um, he says this. He says, um, you're a pastor. And listen, in my world, you can tell by how someone says that. Okay? He said it in a good way. Okay, not the bad way. You can pull it away. There's something here. Yeah, and when we were in the shark tank, they were hanging out by ourselves. Um, Sandy nudged me and says, hey, um, there's a little one of those Gideon New Testaments uh, on his computer sitting by it. And so he asked me that. And so and I just felt this. I said, are you a follower of Jesus? Which is all, I don't ask are you a believer. I ask if are you a follower of Jesus. We can talk about that later. Uh, he's uh, I was. I said, um, and he goes, well, when I was in college, um, I just fell away. Okay. I was talking, and, um, and so I just shared my story. I just went in. So I said, well, I, I accept the Lord 24, and my life changed. Uh, I, I knew from his co-worker who told me um, that he had uh, a daughter, um, and the mother of that child, uh, his fiance, was pregnant with their second, and it was going to be a daughter. I raised two daughters, and I, that's a whole other counseling session we can talk about if you need that one. Um, and uh, so I started talking about, and it's interesting because I was studying for this message. I just basically preached this message so you know about salt and light. So those girls need you to be a light. They're not going to get from anywhere else. This world, you know, I, I talked a lot, okay? Um, um, and I and just see them and, and God's working, and we talked about it. And, and I said, I said, you know, the hardest thing at 24 for me, you know what was? My buddies. We 
joke and we laugh, we tease Christians, we mock them as we did our worldly stuff. And I said, when I became a Christian, I said, oh, rats. How am I going to tell them? I'm one of them now. I'm the enemy. All of a sudden, you know, it's like I joined the enemy team, right? And I said, that was something. He yeah. And so we're talking, so I said, can I pray for you? So we just prayed. And after we got him praying, you know, his eyes are all watering. He said, thanks. And so he goes, can I keep in touch with you? So they said, yes. You know, we talked that. So we got in the car and we drove off. Later that night, I get this text, this long text from him, just talking about what God did in that moment in his life and all these powerful things. And here's my point. In that moment, and I'm nobody special, you guys know that, but I was salt. Right? I was salt. I just shared with him what Jesus did to me. I wasn't giving him life. I didn't have anything to offer him except Jesus. But I know it can change a father of two daughters. Right? It can change a household. It can change a family. Uh, it can change a guy that now my buddies call me about Jesus. Right? Uh, I know that because I know the life source. And I just allowed myself to be salt in that intimate moment with him and I at a gas station pump. Right? Um, and you can do the same. You're called to do the same. Right? We're called to be rooted in Christ so that life source can come through us. Be light. Live a life. And they see you far off. So there's something different about that dude. There's something different about her. Something I'm drawn to. I want to read that book. And when they get in there, you bring the better life. That's Jesus. Salt and life. Right? It's a preservative. It makes life better. Flavors things. That's what Jesus does. So as next steps, as I close this morning uh, in answering this question, why and how do we tell others about Jesus? What is your next step? It starts with this, is being rooted. You cannot skip that step. Because if you're not rooted, you have nothing to offer. You will bring dead fruit. You will bring maybe legalism. You will bring knowledge and information. But you will not. On the authority of Scripture, I say this, you will not bring life change. You won't bear fruit that matters. You pass a lot of words, a lot of information off. So you have to really have your life transformed and changed. You have to have the life of Jesus pumping in you and pumping through you. And then you'll see fruit that matters. Right? So it starts there. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it starts right there. Everything that we just talked about, that we get to tell others about, you can have. If you accept Jesus, if you believe the God that sent him, his son to die for us on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, to go into the grave and defeat death, three days later, rose again, resurrected, and we can live that resurrected life through the grace and faith that he gives us. It's saying yes to that. If you haven't done that, man, don't play church. Don't do anything. Start there. Get rooted. All the promises are there for you. you know, there are people up here to pray with. I'll be back here. Come talk to us. Do not wait. For those that say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, I want to say this to you. Hear me clearly. When you talk about sharing your faith, it's not about what but it's about who. When God calls you to share your faith, right, he calls you to people. And guess what? 
He has planned the people. You don't have to search for it. We don't have to have a 45-minute prayer like, God, who should I share my faith with? You know. Because guess what? He gave you a mission. He planted them. They might be in the bed right next to you. Right? That's who you might have to tell about Jesus and share about this powerful life. They might be down the hall in those bedrooms. Right? Guess what? God put them right there for you to tell them about Jesus. And not just information, not just religion. Are you catching me? I'm not talking about that stuff at all. I'm talking about a faith that transforms and changes lives. It might be a coworker. Right? It might be something in this very church you sat to by for years. Who? Who is God asking you to tell about Jesus, to share your life with, to be salt and light, to invite to a life group, to invite the church? To come with me. Because guess what? One thing I know about Scott, he's goofy as I'll get out, but he'll talk about Jesus. I'm going to point to the life giver. My life's call, and I'll die doing that. So you can have confidence. You bring someone here, they're going to hear about Jesus. Right? Who? There's three little lines in the bottom. We're going to take a second. I want you to think about it. Who is God planted by? He says, tell others. It starts by living. Right? It starts about pouring and hope to answer the question. Well, people say, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to bet that people want to hear about a, a better life. A life full of hope and freedom. They want to see it in you. And I think that awkwardness, I don't want to hear about this because I think everybody wants their best life. And we know it comes through only one place. Right? Just a hope in Jesus Christ. He is it. Our only hope. So we're going to take a few minutes and Josh will listen. We'll just close out singing. I love you, Marshall. God bless you.